throne of grace. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. We exalt you, Lord. You, We put you in the highest place on the throne of our hearts. We worship you and honor you today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for loving us first. We can't out-love you, and that's a blessing. So we thank you for it. Open our hearts and our ears to hear your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that you are equipped to meet the challenge. Amen. You are equipped to meet the challenge. We know that uh, we are people of faith. Amen. Your faith started when you believed in Christ. That is your supernatural faith. God took your believing and converted it to righteousness. Amen. Righteousness is the key to everything. There's no law against it. There's no fault in it. It will work for everything that you need. So God made sure that he gave us stuff that would work. So there's no such thing for you as defeat. There's no such thing for you as an obstacle that cannot be overcome. But your faith must be tested. Amen. It's like if we felt that we could get away without having our faith tested, it would be the same thing as if you went to school and you told your teacher you know all that stuff and she never made you prove it. Oh! Huh? So God don't want no liars, no cheaters, amen, no prevaricators, and no elastic talkers in his kingdom. You got to prove everything. And he doesn't believe we believe anything until we do it. You can say it all you want to, but if you don't perform the doing of it, it's not really faith as far as God is concerned. So faith is an action. It is what you do when you're in every situation of your life. You can meet every situation and defeat it and overcome it by faith in God. You gotta believe that. If you don't have enough faith, enough faith, your faith will be tested. See, you thought I was going to say you can go buy some, borrow some, or wine to the pastor and say, Pastor, please come pray with me because I need, I like the way you pray. You're right. You're going to have to put your own faith in it at some point. Amen. Because you are being tested, but you can meet the faith challenge. Amen. God has equipped you to meet every single challenge that comes up in your life. You can do it with your faith. And so it just means the expression of your faith. Many times we put our faith in our pocket. That's what I say. You had it. Just, you know, for rainy day. We think it's rainy day faith. But you can use your faith every single day that you live. God puts challenges in our lives so that our faith will stay alive and active and sharp and ready to pounce and ready to go. Uh, if we need uh, anything from God, he's willing and able to give it to us. Anybody need an ink pen? If you do, I got some here. Amen. You just pass them back if somebody needs one. I don't have any paper. (laughs) Amen. But anyway, we'll keep it moving. So God has designed that our faith be tested. One of the reasons he tests it is to increase our confidence. See, you need to know what your faith can do. You need to know more than God needs to. Because he knows what your faith will do. It will move mountains. He's already said that. But it's that putting it into operation and putting it into uh, action. Converting it to action. The Bible says faith without works is dead because it's alone. 
So we find that faith needs helpers. You know, I remember back in the day when I, I had started in a church that was spirit, that well, I was a spirit-filled person. And we were told that the church was spirit-filled. We found out it was filled with spirits, all right, but they wasn't all God. You know what I'm saying? And uh, there's religious spirits, there's kind of spirits you want to find up in there. And uh, I remember that uh, we, I had talked to the pastor about the baptism in the Holy Spirit because at that time I was in a church, well, in a women's ministry, as in Women's Glow Ministry. That's where God trained me how to have meetings and how to minister to people. And uh, we made sure everybody that came in there knew about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, if not receive it. Amen. And so because it's the power of God and see, you know that the devil doesn't want you to receive it because he doesn't want an empowered Christian. He likes weak Christians. He likes the kind who are scared of him or don't believe he exists and that he can push around and spook around. And I remember the pastor saying, well, praying in tongues ain't that important. Love is more important. And so God showed me uh, that in the scripture that says that praying in the Holy Ghost keeps you in the love of God. And what God showed me, he said, I have designed the fruit of the Spirit so that you don't pick and choose which one you think is most important. He said, because they're all important. And that helped keep me balanced in understanding because if you look at the dominant teaching back in the 80s, 90s, and even to now, faith, word of faith teaching or faith teaching is is the most important dominant teaching we've had. Well, just because God emphasizes something, it doesn't mean that's all there is. Amen? Any woman that's ever been married... Well, let me just, no, can we talk? Just cause your husband tells you he ain't got no more money, that don't mean that's all there is. Mm, that's what I'm talking about. See, I got sister, come here baby. That's right. Got sister, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> My husband made the mistake of telling me one time, he said, I I'll give nobody all my money. So my wife here shot up. I said, oh, that means there's more somewhere. Excuse me. Let me get my spidey senses back out again. Uh, That brother keeps something from you if he can. Amen. So it doesn't mean that just because that's all they're teaching out there, that's all there is to God. You understand what I'm saying? There's always more. Amen. There's always more. And for those who will seek it, God will manifest himself to you. All you got to do is ask for the more. And so the more happens to have to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. And so God showed me. He said, faith without works is dead, being alone. So you have to add action to your faith. In Over in the book of first, I think it's first Peter, he said, says add to your faith so faith is weak without helpers see you have to add virtue to your faith you know what virtue is that means you'll step out in it if you never step out in it it won't do anything for you so you have to add to that strength virtue other fruit of the spirit to help it to get the best and of course faith works by love 
You can't hold anything against anybody and think God is going to take care of you. I mean, why are you so special? Huh? You get to hate folk, you get to shun them and, and treat them any kind of way and you can still get a miracle. I don't think so. God says that you have faith works by love. Amen. That's the only way it works. Love is like the oil that keeps it working. Amen. It keeps the machine working. And so we have to understand that you can't cheat. You can't grab a fruit of the spirit and say, I'm working on that more than other things. No, you work on what God puts before you. Amen. And so we, we really, really have to understand, uh, faith and how it is tested. Sometimes your faith gets tested because you're timid with it. You know, it's okay if you're using it in your prayer closet, but then when you get out among people you don't want to talk to anybody or you you know on thanksgiving when you have all the relatives over or they invite you and god tells you to go uh, where you used to be able to hide from them now you go in there and it's in-laws outlaws renegades trespassers bypasses everybody else is up in there on thanksgiving amen you got a man man running outside every five minutes smoking that joint that's in his car and come back smelling like it. But see, you got to love on him. Amen. You got to be a witness for Christ. And so, you know, you, your faith needs to come alive more there than it does any place. Amen. Cause you gonna go to heaven and man man ain't gonna be there. You know what I'm saying? If you don't let your faith out of the box and let him do something. So it's like, you know, we want our faith to just work smooth like butter all the time. And then when we start using it, we wonder why the devil kicks us in the head. Huh? Because he don't like your faith. He don't like, he don't like nothing about you. He doesn't like your faith, your love, your patience, your, your forgiveness that you forgive him over and over and over again. Amen. When I, sometimes when I have the, the family over and, and, you know, we know the renegades, we got the non-cookers in the group. They don't never cook and you don't want them to. You know, prophets prevent death from being in the pot. I watched that. Mm-mm, y'all ain't bringing that up in here. I got, I got an older sister and she brings the beverages. And she ain't got that right yet. You understand what I'm talking about? So we ain't gonna give her no heavy lifting to do. But you know them um, outlaw relatives gonna come in there and cart everything off that's not nailed down. Huh? So we confiscate the silverware before they leave and count it all up right in front of them. I tell them, listen, listen, I'm counting my silverware right in front of y'all and I don't care. I'm getting all my stuff back before y'all get out of here tonight. You understand? I keep a bunch of flips and doggy bags because I know they're going to scarf up everything edible goes. And I don't care. See, I'm not going to complain about it because God taught me what love really means. Amen. He said, if they slap you, turn another cheek and let them slap you again. But put it out there on my behalf because I love them. Amen. And we got to love them too. 
Amen. So that was free. I don't even know. I can't even read that, find that on my notes, but that one was free. So you got Thanksgiving coming up. Amen. So your faith will be tested around these things. Praise God. Amen. Don't be shocked if God tells you to invite somebody that you thought you were done with. Let me find my spot. Alright. Why? We're destined to be conformed to his image. That's the main thing you need to understand about your faith. It's not about how many goodies you can get with your faith. How big a house you can get. And how big your faith is. And how you can do this and do that. But it's to make you conform to the image of Christ. Amen. That's an inner thing. Whether or not you have the outer trappings or you never get your millionaire status or if I had a, a dollar for every millionaire prophecy I've heard people say they got. And they ain't seen no millions yet. I said, man, y'all got a lot of faith to just be hanging on to that word and you ain't never seen nothing yet. It's been 20 years. Yeah, just repent. If you believe that, you know, repent. Say, God, you know what? The Bible also says to be content whatever state you're in. Amen. If you have food and clothing, that's a blessing. A lot of people don't have that. Amen. Most of us want the million, but we don't want to do what we got to do to get it. Got to let Louis Vuitton stay in the store. You gotta let Michael Kors stay in that store. Huh? Gotta learn how to pay your bills on time. Millionaires don't have a bunch of people that they owe. Huh? They learn how to pay their bills. So, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Let's just live. And let's live for God. You're called to be conformed to His glorious image according to Romans 8.29. Amen? And Galatians 4.19 tells us that we are to travail until Christ is formed in us. That means to labor at it, to pray, read the word, worship, everything that you do. So there is a struggle to the, the, uh, the fact that we're being conformed to his image. Uh, to conform to something means you're going to be stretched. Amen. You're going to be stretched into a different shaping. He's going to reshape you and remold you into his glorious image. And that is something. I mean, if that condition is met, if that goal is met, then you've made it as far as God is concerned. Do you realize that? Because what will determine your life for eternity is your Christ likeness. Not how much you did. Of course that goes along with it you know where there's there's a change there's also fruit and evidence of that change but I'm talking about don't ever put works before what God is working in you amen because see we can all say God didn't tell me to do that and go off and do something else but if you will let God if you will stay there you can endure you can allow you can let and let God creatively form, reform you into the image of His Son. God is very, very pleased. Amen. So we gotta think about that. The Bible says that the earth groans waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. See, until we conform, we got the world out of shape. We got the trees upset. We got the, everything is messed up. 
waiting for us to get out there and be like Christ. To do the works of God in that power. Amen. You know we got people out there. I always say people in the world can figure out the problem. But they they skip on the answer. Because the answer always comes back to worshiping God. But they don't get it right. They're talking about save the earth. You can't save yourself. How you going to save the earth? You can't save you. Not in the way you need to be saved. See the son's manifestation of the sons of God means that we walk in holiness. We are fruitful. We multiply. We replenish the earth. Which means that we do good just for the manifestation of our life down here on earth. You know when you breathe out the Holy Ghost you help the atmosphere that you're in. You see it when you get together and worship. If we take that out there, think of the difference that it would make to everything that's going on in the earth today. You see? Now the world knows the problem. They don't know the solution. When we tell them the answer, they throw rocks at us. So we will have to manifest ourselves fully in the image of Christ. Before we can take the stress off the earth. They talking about man made global warming. It may be man made but your answer ain't right. See the world's answer is to raise money and throw more money at it. Our answer is to raise up sons and daughters of the most high God. And let us throw the power of God at the problem. And then the problem will be eradicated. And the earth will cease groaning for us to come forth. Because we are manifesting ourselves already. You see what I'm saying? You go out and preach the gospel to somebody. You don't know how much that changes. Not just that person. But it will change the situation that they're in. It will change the atmosphere that surrounds them. It will change their workplace, their family. And see, the enemy knows this. He knows it better than the saints. Because we go out there and mention Jesus one time and somebody gets mad at us and our feelings hurt. We go back home, don't want to never go out no more. See what I'm saying? And then we're crazy enough to sit up and listen to the devil and say, think we did something wrong. Well, just because you didn't get the reaction your soul wanted, that doesn't mean you did anything wrong. Huh? You did everything right. Because that reaction comes because the devil does not want to lose anything. Because he barely hanging on as it is. And so he sees you wanting to tell somebody that Jesus will heal them. And you want to lay hands on them and pray for them right here and right now. You don't think he'll just send somebody up to interrupt your conversation or get nervous about it. You know? When we were out um, in Cleveland, you guys were up there that time. There was a gentleman came up to me and, and wanted prayer. And he told me he had been sick. And uh, he said, he said, yeah, I guess it's, I guess, you know, oh yeah. He said, it's all the, the things I did, the life I used to live is caught up with me. I said, no, it hasn't. God's caught up with you. I said, God's not punishing you for your sin. I said, if you will repent, God will forgive you and cleanse you of all disease. Unrighteousness is disease. And so the minute I started to talk to him about healing, he reached all these little feet behind me. And I looked at him. He started looking around. I said, don't look around. I said, it happens every time the power of God starts to show up. I said, you can take that as a confirmation that God's here to heal you. I said, will you receive it? 
I said, devils get busy every time God starts wanting to do something for somebody. I just tell them to stand back there and watch the show. If I don't want them around, I tell them to go get lost in Jesus' name. You understand what I'm saying? You have the freedom to demand your atmosphere conform to what God wants it to be so that that healing takes place. Amen. Don't you ever get nervous about somebody making noise. I'm telling you, the minute the Holy Ghost shows up in power, you going to have a bunch of devils already because they follow you at a distance anyway. Remember Judas? Everywhere they went with the Lord, he followed at a distance. Followed at a distance, huh? Don't want to be included with them, but he want to know what's going on. Amen. So you get, they get a front row seat to hide and watch and see, watch the show. Watch God take this disease off this man. Amen. And so don't ever be afraid of me. In fact, you, you got a right to expect he'll hang around but not interfere. Huh? You can watch but you don't get to participate, devil. That's what he hates. Cause he used to run things. Now he's been, uh, evicted. He's been demoted to the lowest rank. He's even under our feet. You got me? And so he has to obey you. He cannot interfere with what we're doing. This is, this is the kingdom business. He got nothing to do with this. And so when we start exercising our faith, amen, and allow God to make the changes he needs to change, Christ will be formed in us. So in Luke chapter 17, if you'll turn there, we're talking about how God increases our faith. It's very important that we understand when these things start going on, what it means. Amen. Now God will work on anybody he wants to work on to increase their faith. Why? Because he knows the plans he has for you. He knows what you're going to need faith-wise this afternoon, tomorrow afternoon, this time next year. Amen. And so he puts us on schedule for our faith to be uh, available and to be strong enough to meet every challenge in every situation. So in Luke 17, the uh, verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Why did they ask that? And the Lord said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed... You might say to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea and it should obey you. So he said this, consider your faith to be a seed and it's not active until you plant it. How do you plant it? By what you say. So your first speaking of the promises of God or your first speaking of the word is that that planting of your seed which means that when that seed is planted you put water on it amen water is worship that's the way I look at it when you get in the presence of God you worship him first and that sets that that seed up to be watered and to be uh, planted and so you get that seed planted and it and uh, and if and if you tell that situation to be removed it will obey you amen now if your faith were perfect 
and you were perfect and you knew the great plan of God it would obey you immediately like it does when Jesus does, when Jesus did it but we don't have the spirit without measure like he did many times you'll see the works that Jesus did in kind of accelerated fast motion got me and that not that it's not possible but it's there because we need to know that as an example that's what we can expect when your faith is perfect like that you understand what i'm saying there are times you're going to get some instant manifestations for instance god will gift you with different healing gifts you know it's up to him how he does it but one of the things that he's gifted me with is instant removal of pain i don't have people if people will focus in and do what i tell them to do that pain leaves them in a matter of not long at all how many of you can say amen to that amen also he has gifted me that with with orthopedic i can't stand to see anybody on crutches i just have to go get them off the crutches before they leave the meeting you understand what i'm saying and in wheelchairs and so if if we will allow that now sometimes it works textbook sometimes they get a little bit i said if you got a little bit you can get it all and then they get distracted you understand what i'm saying and it's hard that's why the apostles told the man at the gate beautiful he they said look at us it wasn't cause we were so cute, you know what I'm saying? The Vogue. All that stuff. It ain't about that. But it's about staying focused on your faith. Get your faith eyeball to eyeball with what God is telling you and receive your healing. And so many times we'll get in situations where it'll work perfectly like it did with Jesus. But that should not stop us from working our faith. So he says, but which of you having a servant plow oh, that you can plant it and it will obey you. And so Jesus sets it up for what he does in Mark 11:23. We all know that scripture. Amen. We all know that a seed cannot remove a tree, but a seed can start the growth process and outgrow that tree. Amen. So what God is saying here is that usually you plant a seed, you plant, say if you want tomatoes, you plant tomatoes. But if you don't pull the weeds out, what happens if you let those weeds continue to grow? They'll overgrow your good crop. But God is saying, I'm reversing that. I'm letting you plant the good crop and it'll choke out the weeds and choke out everything. It just does the reverse of what you would see happen in a natural situation. Amen. I know any of you have tried to get a garden. It's hard to keep them weeds out of your garden, but you can do it supernaturally uh, with the word of God. So Jesus tells them you can remove anything that's not established by God. That means sickness. That means infirmity. That means poverty. Whatever it is. That tree will be established. If you plant that seed. And you continue to nourish that seed. Let it come to its full potential in your life. And that seed will eventually outgrow anything that is not like it. So Jesus says to use your faith. To remove something that is already there and is in the way and it's not the will of God for you. 
So you can use your seed of faith, your little mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds. It starts out very small at first. But don't get discouraged from the size of it because it has great potential once it's planted. You understand? God wants you to plant it no matter what size it is. God wants you to plant it and keep speaking to it, keep breathing life on it so it can grow and he can allow it to grow in your life you can you can remove anything that thinks it's established in your life illness that runs in families you can uproot that with your faith poverty that runs in families whether it's illiteracy uh you know if you addiction anything that runs in families they are rooted by a temporary power amen whatever is of this world is temporary the temporal is temporary but the things of god are eternal so god's word lasts forever amen So when we use our faith as a seed, we plant it on top of whatever it is that's going on and we make it move. And see, that's the confrontational aspect of faith. Your faith won't do much unless it confronts something. Amen? And I don't mean arguing with people. Don't get in the flesh. You don't have to, you don't have to go to that level in order to get God to move for you. But you can take authority over uh, the things that, that are not of God. I remember before my husband came to the Lord, he was angry about the things I was doing for God. And so he would come home and be in a bad mood or come home and want to start picking at me about God and stuff like that. And the Lord said, why don't you bind that devil before he comes home? And I said, okay, now he talking. Huh? I used to make a joke about that, but I ain't gonna tell y'all we got kids in here. I ain't gonna skip that part of it, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm thinking. That brother was so bound, and you fill in the blank. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but I kept, kept that under authority. See, you don't have to put up with the devil in your face all the time and acting crazy and, all of that and and that's for you to use and remember you are wrestling against spiritual forces you're not binding up your husband amen because you gotta go have to loosen to go to work every day <laughs> okay i'm done i will quit messing he passed away 15 years ago so i have the freedom to just ah but anyway you know what i'm saying but he did he was saved and he went home to be with the lord amen which is what you want you want god's you want god's results amen so you know what i'm saying so in mark 11 verse 22 you see the story about the fig tree that jesus cursed now there's all kinds of you know analogies this fig tree they thought it was israel but israel really wasn't cursed permanently so it kind of is but kind of isn't uh you know sometimes we we have to look at it for what god wants it to be and it is a good example of of how faith works amen and and the verse 22 tells us to have faith in god amen have faith in God. It says, uh, let me go back a little bit. Mark 11. Na, 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 na. 
and 14 well 13 Jesus saw a fig tree far off he was on his way to he would come from Bethany and he says he he looked to see if there was anything on it when he came to it and found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet now people say that's an analogy to Israel natural Israel Israel's time for manifestation of the fruit of God was not yet and so they were cursed though for a season because God lifts the blinders off their minds anytime the gospel is preached now. You can, you can win Jews to Christ. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't let that stop you from witnessing. Jesus answered and said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever and his disciples heard it. And when they came to Jerusalem and Jesus went in the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers, the seats of them that sold doves, and he would not allow that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of nations, a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. Why? Because that was their money. Amen. People will kill you for money in the church quicker than they, you know what I'm saying. And stomp out a devil. And when he, and he, people were astonished at his doctrine. Now. I've had people to come into our meetings and say, why are you selling stuff here? I said, because we need to raise money. I want to say, because cheap people like you don't give an offering. But I'm nice. I operate in love. But Jesus owned that temple. You don't own my meeting. You understand what I'm saying? See, you can get a very superficial understanding of things and say, you ain't never supposed to sell nothing in the church. But they can sell it on TV. Preachers can sell it on TV, right? And you buy it. Ooh, I'm getting brother so-and-so's new, new book and new this, new that. What's the difference? What's the difference? Don't deceive yourself. Amen? And don't cheat yourself. You think I'm going to make tapes and spend money and give them away to you? Huh? Well, I, I think the books and tapes is okay. Really? You own this meeting? Who art thou to criticize another man's servant? God is able to make me stand and fall on his own. He don't need you to come around to people's meetings and tell them what to do. I bet you don't go down to Bishop Jake's meeting and tell him not to to charge $10,000 for a table down there. So a wannabe can come in and get famous because they sold their books at his meeting. Just a thought. All right, just thought. All right, so Mark 11. So he cursed that fig tree. said, no man eat fruit of you forever. That couldn't really be Israel because Israel can bear fruit. 
The Bible says they'll get grafted in again. They were the first partakers. You got me? We can't come in and get grafted in and then count the root of no effect. So their root is still alive. You understand what I'm saying? So anyway, he says no man. And, and so when they came in the morning, they passed by and saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remember, said, Master, look what happened. That turkey it's cursed, it's withered away already. And Jesus said to him, you know, slow down, Peter. Come on now. This ain't going to take you to the head of the class. He says, have faith in God. In other words, Peter's reaction was as though Jesus were an ordinary man. And Jesus picked up on it. See, be careful when you want to be the teacher's pet and the A student around Jesus. Because you ain't going to make it. Amen. You always get busted down. And Jesus is demonstrating what I did. I did not as a man. I did it anointed by God. He said, and this is God's power that did this. This is not human power. Amen. And so what, what that means though is have the faith of God. Put your faith and trust in God to bring it to pass, whatever you do. He says, truly I say to you, whosoever, man, woman, boy, girl, child, adult, whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. People get hung up on how can I not doubt in my heart. Just do it by the leading of the spirit. Huh? See your faith in God. See when your faith is just in your ability to say the right word. Say it just so. Say it with enough so that God can listen to it and all that kind. When when you stop doing that and you say, God, I'm just going to spit it out the best way I can. I'm trusting you to bring it to pass. That's faith in God. You got me? It doesn't matter how loud you say it, how goosebumps on everybody when you say it. It don't matter about any of that. But you are putting your trust in God. That's when it's righteousness. That's when you don't doubt in your heart. That's when you know that you prayed the prayer of faith and you can believe that thing will come to pass. He says, therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you want, what do you want? He says, when you pray, in other words, you in faith, you only pray for things you want to see happen. You got me? You don't pray for something you you don't want. You can't do that in righteousness. It has to be in your heart to desire what it is that you're praying for. And don't be ashamed to want stuff from God. The Bible says it's his good pleasure to give it to you. And that he delights in the prosperity of his servants. So God says ask away. He said ask in faith nothing wavering. Amen. So then there becomes a testing period in your faith between your saying and your having. Mark eleven twenty four says you can have what you say. And then he says at the end, he says if you have anything against anybody, forgive. Not necessarily only when you pray, 
But forgive and you're going away from your prayer closet. Forgive continually. That's why it's at the end of it. See, if it were requirement only before, and you should, before you go to God, you can't have anything against anybody. He won't hear you. That's just elementary. But when you pray, the Bible says forgive. And if you have anything against anybody, and continue to forgive as you go. And so as you go, you leave in righteousness. You walk in righteousness. You expect in righteousness. And so you you can have what you say if you don't doubt it. Now with Jesus, his testing period only lasted 24 hours because he came back the next day and that tree was cursed. It had withered up from the roots. So any wavering on Jesus' part would have caused further delay. But he had faith in God. That's why it withered up and died right away. Amen. So uh, Jesus made sure that the disciples saw the maximum benefit to obeying his word. That's why things happen for him immediately. That's why things happen for him right away. To give us an expectation that these things would come to pass and we wouldn't have to wait forever for them to happen. Some things will tarry. Some visions will tarry. But they don't wait forever. Amen. So when we want a faith increase, we must begin to use our faith to remove established things. There are some things that have been here a long time and God doesn't care how long they've been there. If he wants them removed, he'll start you speaking against them. I remember years ago we when we had first started this ministry, God told us we, they had uh, in 1983 in Cleveland, they set up a commission because they wanted to build the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the city of Cleveland. And we heard about it around in 1990 and we began to pray against it. Well, we had gone in that in those days, I, anything that, that somebody was coming to town that wanted to pray, I showed up there. You know, I always sat in the back because you don't want to go sit in the front if it ain't right. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Prophets do that. We don't go, we don't want the uppermost seats nowhere. We don't want to be in the thick of things. Number one, if they invite preachers on the front row, they might ask y'all for a hundred dollar offering apiece. You don't want to be there that night. I'd have seen that happen. I said, I said, oh, I'm so thankful. When they say, any more ministers here? I don't raise my hand. I sit on my hands. You understand what I'm saying? Cause you don't know what you might get set up for. <laughs> the Bible tells you when you go into a place, don't seek the the highest seat of honor and the yada 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 yada. Now we we always in our conferences we sit leadership people up front because God forbid you be stuck in the back and you can't hear what's going on, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's something totally different. But I'm talking about desiring. To be set apart, set known. You know what I'm saying? No, God knows you already. He knows you there. He take care of your needs once you're there. And so when we, we went to a meeting and I sat in the back, of course, and they had some so-called Christian country music people there. 
supposedly Christians giving their testimony. And I, I, well, you know, I hear there's some of you who are praying against the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to come in here. And I said, oh, devil, come on now. Let's see what you know. And so he announced there, he said, um, uh, well, we, we think you should embrace uh this this opportunity as your ministry i said no nah, i know what my ministry is is stopping the devil every time <laughs> it's like you know them little pop-up games where the little thing pops up and you and, and that's that's my ministry <laughs> hit him on his head every time he pop up out of hole somewhere you understand what i'm saying you stay in your hole you don't get to come out this party ain't for you so I'm listening to this and here's all these people sitting there. And so when we got back to our meeting, I told everybody, I said, we are not going to change what God told us to pray. We're going to continue to pray against it. To this day, we pray against it. If you look in our prayer manual, that prayer is still there. But let me tell you what can happen as a result of your prayer. When the body of Christ is double minded. So here we got half the people wanting it. The other half, nope, God told us not over the years. The people who were praying against it quit praying. That's why God says if you're scared, go back home because your brethren's hearts will faint also. If you if you're scared, we don't want you. If you done found a new idea, we don't want you. And I told the Lord, I said, if you've given us authority in our prayers, we have a right to decide what comes in this city and what goes out. You understand what I'm saying? And you do that under the authority of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. So we, we, it took them from, from then until 1995 to raise the money and get it built. We prayed for no no public money, no bond funds, no nothing. So they had to beg and scrape. I said, Lord, if they're going to build it, they're going to get some of their drug money from their drunken, drug-infested industry to get it up here because we're not giving them a dime for it. And so when it, it was finally built, number one, we forbid them to invade our city with all of that nonsense. We don't want it. Okay. We see what it does. We say no. And so they never have the induction ceremony in the city of Cleveland. Even though they want that money for them coming in. All the hotels fill up and all that. No. We don't let them have it there. So just because we have half the Christians uh, involved wanting it. And the other half not. We have to split it. So that means that churches go in there. They have church concerts there just like they do rock and roll concerts. We don't let them have the induction ceremony in our city because we don't want it. But you can get a half and half if the body of Christ is not on one accord. You got me? Same thing with abortion. You got a lot of Christians voting for pro-abortion people. Why? Well, because you know, you don't have a reason for it. So now you got innocent blood on your hands just because you don't know how to withstand the pressure 
to decree a thing and keep yourself away from it. You understand what I'm saying? Any position that's not popular, you're going to have to learn how to stand with God in these things and let his word come to pass. But trust me, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ain't what they thought it was going to be in the city. Trust me. You got more Christians in there having concerts and having big meetings than you actually do having rock and roll concerts. They treat it like a museum. Amen. They just come by and watch the stuff and go out and that's, that's it. But if, if Christians had their way a hundred percent, it would be moved out into the sea. You got me? It wouldn't wind up there. So this is what happens when the body of Christ compromises. You don't want compromise in your prayers. You want to go for it no matter what what God says about it. God told me to start praying uh, some time ago uh, for certain people not to get in public office because they were heavily involved in witchcraft. Now you're seeing all that stuff being exposed. Amen. Well, it didn't have to be exposed for me to know to pray against it. You get your assignment from God. Whatever God gives you, you stay with it no matter what happens, who tells you not to, who tells you you involved in witchcraft, who tells you that's wrong and you ought to have compassion. I don't care what they tell you when you get your assignment from God you stay you stay with what God tells you amen so we're to to stand with God in these things amen your faith will be tested in a confrontational way can you stand flat-footed in the face of opposition in the face of the devil and say no we're not going to have that we're not going to put up with it I don't care where it happens. It's not, it's not from the kingdom and we don't want it here. When your faith is tested, God will give you confidence. Confidence is part of faith. Amen. You can't have faith in God without having God's confidence that he will bring it to pass. Amen. James tells us to count it all joy. When we fall into the testing of our faith. Amen. You're to rejoice. Why? I tell you one thing. You'll get through it faster. You stay rejoicing. The devil doesn't know what to do with a saint that rejoices. Amen. He hates that more than he hates anything. Because usually he can make us cry. You know what I'm saying? Take your money, he'll make you cry. Take your job, he'll make you cry. Mess with your kids, he'll make you cry. He knows how to push buttons to make us cry. But if you get in those situations and you start counting it all joy, he don't know what to do with you then. He don't know what to do with that. Amen. He hates joy. Amen. He have to turn his hearing aid down when you start rejoicing. And so we have to understand where our strength is and what we need to do to get us through these difficult situations. So once your faith is tested, it gives you a greater confidence in God. Amen. You know, people talk about warfare as, as though it's something unusual and strange and Exotic, you know, like, oh, ooh, yeah, ooh, spiritual warfare. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I look at people. I said, what is wrong with these people? I said, they, you know, the, the first, <laughs> first three people I had at a Bible study was all witches. You know what I'm saying? That weren't my, my people that, that came, you know, people that assisted me. Started out with me, my sister Shirley, and, uh, Nola Dillard, our secretary. 
And we would go to, you know, I had a girlfriend that lived way out somewhere and she wanted us to come. Oh, God told me, you know, you can use my place for Bible study and I got a group of nice ladies. When they tell you they're nice ladies, you like, nowadays my antenna go up. I just, no, ain't nobody nice till I see what they packing. (laughs) What you packing? (laughs) Don't load it at the door. You know, and, uh, there was a woman that she was the head of the the nice lady committee. You know, we were serving coffee and donuts and getting to know each other. And then when when the word started going forth, she couldn't sit down. She had to go to the bathroom, and I I kept I said, "What's wrong with her? She's in the bathroom throwing up, huh? Huh? She's a witch." And she had all this little coven of ladies under her authority. They went everywhere imitating what true church leadership looks like. You understand what I'm saying? There's nothing, nothing wrong with having a group with you, you know, but Jesus is the head of the church. You know, she wouldn't, and she kept, oh, I know where she kept pulling the shades down. We had blinds and she kept shutting the blinds because she couldn't stand the light. And I'm thinking, oh, we got a witch and a vampire. <laughs> and then Nola's sitting there drinking coffee like <laughs> Pastor Shirley's yanking on that donut and I'm standing there wondering what's going to happen to you. you know that's your help your armor bear number one armor bear number two they over there having the coffee and the donuts and you gotta stand here and fight the witches but you don't understand what I'm saying so, you know, and it, it seemed like every time I would go somewhere and wear nice clothes and want to have a nice time with the coffee and donuts, you know, that's what you serve at ladies meetings, you know. <laughs> so I said, I'm not going to have none of these because they don't work. You bring out your combat boots and your overalls and your wife beater, you know, you don't even have sleeves in your shirt, you know, you put on the wife beater that day and just get on up there and start preaching. Uh, because that's where we started out. If, you, if that's where your faith needs to be tested, that's where it gets tested. It, it wasn't like God waited till I was 12 years old in the Lord and then gave me that stuff. I never would have survived. You understand what I'm saying? If you're going to be anointed, that anointing will be tested as to what it can handle. And don't be shocked at what you see. Coming out of nice little ladies in the suburbs, you know, nice ladies, you know. So, so you do what you need to do. And finally, I asked her if I could pray with for her, and she ran out. We never saw her again. You understand what I'm saying? I wanted to see. I'm being nice. They won't let me be nice. You, you understand what I'm saying? Just sometimes they they leave. You know, you can't help them, and so you just you just have to know what you're dealing with. You got to stay in the spirit. You can't get out in the flesh and start getting excited about stuff and and go nuts. You know, this is you just can't do it. You stay with God. You stay with where He has you, and you'll be successful and victorious. So God wants us to be tested in these things. You will have things that come against you that you think you have no way of overcoming. Amen. One of the reasons I moved to Detroit was, remember Jack Kevorkian? Many of you don't even know who he is. Why? Because God brought him down before many of you got even came into the kingdom. 
or we would have assisted suicide up here legal in Detroit because it was on its way. Amen. And sometimes you got to move where the devil is in order to dethrone him. And so God sent me here. First, I was praying in my nice little new house in Cleveland and having a good time. And uh, God shook that up. You know, my husband got a job transfer, and I thought he was the meanest man in the world. You know, I told God, I said, I don't have anything. I don't have my ministry anymore. I don't have this man. You let this man take it away from me. Kind of God are you? And you know, all that kind of stuff. And God showed me there was a higher purpose, but not without me kicking and screaming. You understand? Because once you have faith for something and God tells you to let it go, it's not the easiest thing because you're used to fighting to hang on to it. But God will, just like Isaac. Huh? Isaac had to meet the sword one day or come close to it. And so we're going to have those meet the sword encounters where God will kill a love for something for a season and then raise it back up again. People in Cleveland were jealous because I had some new people. I said, well, no, no, I don't really like them so much. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't know what to say to people. I said, oh, you know, what What can we do? I said, but you're going to have to love them and embrace them because they're your new brothers. I got married again. They're your new siblings, you know, whatever you tell them, but, you know, get it together. But God, and see, I had no idea uh, that that was apostolic ministry, that God was preparing me with that anointing so that I could go into cities and do work for God, uninvited, you know, just go by the command of God. So you start learning things as you go. You understand what I'm saying? But all of it is done by faith. You must do it by faith. What does your faith in, in God do? It lets you know and gets you assured that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Amen. Nothing. When it, when it says, can anything, any death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, your future cannot be able to separate you from the love of God. You're afraid about what's going to happen tomorrow, afraid about your bills, afraid about whatever is going on. It will not separate you from the love of God. God will help you to hold on to everything that he has given you for his glory. But he wants us to conform to his image. We will be tested for that very purpose The anointing to minister and the anointing and the power of God is secondary to the power that he puts in us to help us to conform to his image. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for blessing us to be able to know that we know that we know that when we are tested, your love will help us to hold. So we thank you, Lord, for that holding power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that causes us to move mountains with our mustard seed of faith. So we bless you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come up and I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord. I just need some true worshipers to stand to your feet right here. Come on.
So I'll make sure I do those. 